What's up, friends? I wanted to give everybody a heads up on this episode because there are some topics we cover that could be somewhat triggering for people. Additionally, I decided not to do any serious edits to this episode so that you get the raw conversation exactly as it was. There were a lot of events in our community this week that I felt needed to be handled in a very careful light. We try to share our opinions while also sharing the facts, and we try to be very careful. But I wanted to just let everybody know that this is going to be a bit of a longer episode as well. It's about an hour and 40 minutes. So grab a drink, relax, and hopefully you enjoy this episode. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 127 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues affecting players at and away from their gaming tables. As always, I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 127 episodes separated by half a country, <laughs> my main man, Brian Allen. How's it going, man? Oh, you up there? I started to say Yankee. You can't call Seattle Yankee, right? What do you call Not it? Not really. I don't. I don't know. We're what we're damn near Alaska out here. For yeah, real. I don't. I don't know what. To, <laughs> I don't know what derisive term to throw at you. <laughs> yeah, there there really ain't one up here. I, I mean, I know, know. I can't think of one. I will say this, like, I, and I don't think people really know this, but the state of Washington, particularly, is fairly diverse compared to other places in the U.S. Like, there's a large Asian population up here, uh, indigenous folks. There's a lot of stuff up here labeled after the old tribes and everything else that still are here. You know, there's, like, I, I even found, like, little, like, Ethiopian populations and whatever. Like, it's very interesting, you know. Because, like, Texas is big, and you have some pockets where, like, you know, you can go to West, and it's like a Czech community. And you can go to yeah. parts of uh, San Antonio, and there's some German communities. But it's not as... I guess, integrated. Hey, don't get me wrong. There's still our normal issues, as you've seen with the news in Seattle Police Department over the last couple of years. But like there, there's still issues. But from just a cultural standpoint, it's very different because here you have places that like you'll go get like a pamphlet for something and it's got like English, uh, Spanish, Korean and something else or whatever. Right. That you wouldn't necessarily see in a lot of places. But because there's large population centers for a lot of these different groups they put things in four and five languages because they're that common so yeah just something interesting that people may not know about uh before we get into everything today because boy do we have a lot of stuff to talk (laughs) about let's pay some love and respects to our folks over at cardsphere.com i don't know why i said that made it sound like cardsphere is dead let's pay our love and respect they're they're alive and well over at cardsphere.com Great place to buy and sell cards at the price you want. Matter of fact, I just got some stuff bagged up yesterday. I got to take to the post office tomorrow. So, yeah, great place to go and buy and sell stuff. And they're big supporters of our show and have been when we was nobodies. So, you know, go pay them some love. And we want to pay love to our friends and our listeners that support us over at Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash color magic. And you can get a shout out just like Samantha Murphy, who's one of our OGs, been around since June 2020. And we have two new patrons this week. One is William Nichols. And you know who the other one is? Who is that? No one. 
Literally, that's the name they used. No one. Wow. I, I, I thought this is some kind of trick question. <laughs> no, literally, that's what it is. So thank you all for coming on board. Much appreciated. And if you would like to get something for yourself, we have some tokens and play mats over at colorofmtg.com slash shop if you want to go check that out. All right, man, we got some things to talk about. We're going to start a little bit light, and then we're going to dive in heavy. So we, we kind of progress this one. This one almost has like a through line. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, this one, though, and this might be about as light as we're going to be today. Yeah. But I, I got to tell you, for those you who don't know, I went down to Texas last week. And I'm sorry we didn't get to hang out, Brian. We stayed pretty late working on stuff. But I went down there to help with the Hunter Burt Memorial Open. Good turnout, raised a bunch of money, great charity auctions, all that. But when I'm getting there, now, first off, side rant. <laughs> I was at the, I'm, I'm at the, the rental car place. And I'm the only one wearing a mask. And man, people, you talk about mean mugging somebody. Like nobody said anything to me. But boy, did I get the looks. <laughs> like, And I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, it didn't really bother me. But it was one of those things that like, damn, what's wrong with y'all? You know. But anyway, I get to this counter after waiting for a little bit. And man, I'll tell you, I forgot just how much Southern people get all up in your business. And I, and I don't even mean it like in a mean way. They're just overly polite that they just keep <laughs> on and keep on. Because up here, people are polite, but they won't ask the personal questions. You know, they'll this, you know, something about their job or what you're doing or, hey, do you like the area? But, but like if you mention family, they're not going to ask you like, oh, well, <laughs> how many kids you got that you're bringing out? Or like you don't get into all that. But that's a southern thing, right? Where are you people at? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I'm at this thing at the counter. And, you know, they're going through the regular stuff. And I'm thinking we're almost done, right? Because, you know, they, they run your card. They tell you about insurance, all, all the stuff you got to do at the rental car place. And then she starts in on like, oh, so what are you here for this weekend? And I'm like, oh, it, it's it's a business thing. And they're like, oh, well, what, what kind of business? And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's a charity thing. You know, like, oh, well, what are y'all raising charity for? Like, oh, well, you know, it's it's suicide prevention and awareness because, you know, that's a big thing, especially with the pandemic. Oh, you have somebody that was affected by suicide. Well, yeah, but not that's not really what we're doing. And the whole time I'm kind of like reaching for the keys. Like, come on, just let me out of this. Right. And then she's like, well, you know, if you want to upgrade, we have we have these SUVs instead because the weather might be bad tomorrow or whatever and i'm like nah it's cool i can handle it whatever it's like well it's supposed to be blah 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 and she's now she got to tell me about the specifics of the weather conditions and time of day and i'm like ma'am it's cool i'm actually from here i used to drive in it it's not a big deal i'll handle it she's like oh you're from here and i'm like ah why'd i say anything right <laughs> so like <laughs> she starts saying on that like that line of questioning and i'm like well i'm actually from here i used to live like further south, but I grew up in Texas. So like, oh, really? Like, so your family's here. I'm like, oh my God, like, just give me the keys, lady. I just want to get out of here. And I mean, dude, she, and the worst part is now I have these people who are already mad at me for wearing a mask. They're like behind me, arms folded, like tapping their foot. Like I'm the one trying not to hurry up. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm trying to get the keys, but this lady won't give them to me, you know? And I was like, oh my God, I'm just dying this whole time. And literally I'm just like, sliding my hands slowly i'm trying not to be a creeper and just like grab the keys but i'm kind of like making sure she sees i have an open palm like hey just just hand me the keys and i can go you got other people you need to wait on like they're they're in a hurry too you know so i'm trying to like be polite and come up with things to wrap it up or whatever 
And then she's trying to tell me about, well, you know, you can get this thing and, you know, it'll cover your tolls or I'm like, it's fine. I can ride around without hitting the toll roads. I've been through Dallas before. It's cool. Oh, so you drive up here often. I'm like, damn it, lady, just give me the keys. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever been more frustrated trying to get a pair of keys at a rental car place. <laughs> but, but you know what, though? You know what, though? When I went out later with my mom and we're at a barbecue joint. And the people behind the counter talking to us and they're back and forth like, honey, sweetie, how's your mom and them? You know, whatever. And I know damn well they don't know each other. I'm like, man, this is this is just how Southern folks is. Like, that, that's just how it is. Like, if you and I tell people, if you don't know, you don't know. If you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like, if you've lived through it. But it was one of those things that between having not visited for a bit and then like the two or three years of COVID or whatever, it just, you kind of just didn't get used to dealing with it, you know? And then it hits you and you're like, yep, this is where I am. When you were describing the whole scene, I'm just like, do we have the curb your enthusiasm music? That's the only thing I mean, for, oh, for, for real. That's sort of what it felt like. And I'm dude, like, come really on, man. A whole, just, I guess it, just so, give me the keys. Come on. Yeah. So you already got people that are mad at me and now they're getting more mad, but it's not my fault. You know, I'm just like, man, I'm trying to get out of here. I'm sorry I said anything. I, I should have just been rude and been like, ma'am, can I just have the keys? It's been a long day or whatever. Like, just make up something. But, yeah, I just thought that was one of those things. I was like, yep, this is one of those soapbox moments of just like hey, yo. southern people just, just are built different, man. Just the way it is. But I think yours is a little more silly. Yeah, baseball in its infinite quest to attempt to be more exciting like football and basketball have decided they want to get rid of the infield shift, which if you're not familiar with that, basically it's, hey, somebody, they, they think somebody's going to hit the ball a certain way. So everybody, to the world, they almost don't even attempt to defend one side of the infield. And now one of the rules they agreed to to get baseball restarted again was that they're going to do away with the infield shift, which is just bizarre to me that one of the, hey, our, what are rules like, you know what, we're just not going to play any defense. <laughs> well, let's see if we can go 11-10 is the plan, apparently, which I just. I just I don't get it. That'd be like in the NFL. we like, well, we know this team has a bad right tackle, so you can't blitz your cornerback on that side. That just doesn't make sense. And I don't know, maybe if the NFL's ratings fell to where baseball is, they'd consider doing something. In fairness, football has done a lot, you know, to where you almost can't touch the quarterback or the wide receiver. So I guess that's their version of it. Like, hey, well, let's let's spike the offense. I mean, I guess. Like, honestly, my problem with baseball, though, is there's other things you can fix. Mostly stuff revolving around the speed of the game. Like, that yeah. would be better. And I guess this will probably totally make games longer, but I guess it'll make them more exciting because, you know, hey, there's going to be a lot more hits since you, since you can't so badly stand to where you obviously know the batter is going to hit the ball. It's just, just, just silly to me. Yeah, it's weird because, like, at the same time, it's like, but the hitters are also professionals, so they could try to hit opposite where there's going to be a gap now. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, what, what uh, as they say in the old days, hey, if you don't like it, hit it better. And now if you end up, let's say, I don't know who would because it's a crazy number, but let's say somebody breaks Pete Rose hit record or whatever. Does that get an asterisk now? 
I mean, I think we, with with these rules, somebody, of course, you also got to play for 30 years. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It probably won't get broken anytime soon, but impossible. But just last year, apparently said the shift took away over 4,800 hits. So, well, maybe you wouldn't have to play for 30 years. I don't know. That's man. true. These. Well, it'll be curious to see what that does to the numbers. I just feel like they keep. They're all. I don't want to because I'm somebody that enjoys football. But yeah, I would agree that at this point, and it's blatantly obvious, football is far so is basketball. And I think some of that is just. Let's be perfectly honest about football. And again, I'm a fan. Football is legalized blood sport. Sure, but I, you know, what I can say for for football and basketball is they have figured out the pacing of their games. Yeah, you know where where the commercials go how long they they take between plays, you know, the timeouts, whatever. Everything feels like they have figured out we're making this as good of a TV product as we can make it. And I feel like baseball is still okay when you go see it live, but, man, it sucks as a TV product. And I think that's their biggest issue. And, you know, some of what football does, I guess it's uh, all the rules where you really (laughs) almost can't touch half of the offensive players. I guess kind of the same thing as, hey, you know, don't don't do the infield shift because you talk to anybody (laughs) that played defense 20 years ago about how much you can't touch the quarterback now. Yeah, but we also saw in the Super Bowl, you still got some dudes that have played some defense. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, and it does matter. But all right. Let's move along because we have a couple of things that we learned this week that are going to be worth sharing with people. So why don't we dive in and let people know what we learned? Uh, as uh, long-time listeners will know, we are pretty big wrestling fans around here. So, you know, I couldn't let uh, this week pass without mentioning I'd mentioned Scott Hall, also known as Razor Ramon. And, uh, you know, for people that weren't watching or hey, weren't around in the 90s to watch wrestling, it is hard to even explain the impact that he, Hulk Hogan, and Kevin Nash had on the business with the whole formation of the New World Order. I mean, so I've seen so many people this week say, you know, they had quit watching wrestling. It wasn't entertaining. The NWO brought so many people back into it, and, you know, they made it kind of cool to cheer for the bad guys. Of course, that was part of Scott Hall's gimmick at Razor Rose. He was the bad guy. And it's it's not uncommon. I think we've learned that, hey, it's not a good movie. It's not a good TV show or whatever, unless it has a good villain. And definitely Scott Hall, the NWO, are some of the best villains we have ever seen in wrestling. You know, I, I agree with you, too. I think they were both the best and the worst thing to happen for wrestling in WCW. But they definitely did move things forward. And, you know, like we were talking off the air, one of the things about Scott Hall that's interesting is he kind of comes from an era where people, wrestlers were just pushed as characters and yeah. didn't matter if they had a title or not. Right. You know, that the lot of, cause nowadays people talk about, well, we need to give them a title to give them a push or whatever. And I don't think the current wrestling fans understand that like people back in the day made full careers, basically being King of the mid card. Yeah, Scott Hall never won a world title in either WCW or WWF. Yeah, but, but he was it, always on the main shows. He yeah. was always part of storylines. Hell, he's the reason we got the black and white sting. Right. You know, he was helping all kinds of stuff. But, you know, a lot of people just look and go, oh, well, you don't have a title. You know, it's stupid. 
first ladder match in WWE, and now to think they have on almost every pay-per-view. But his ladder match with Shawn Michaels, again, if you're any kind of wrestling fan and you hadn't seen that match, by all means, go check that out. If you have Peacock, they've got a whole, they've already got, you know, just, hey, here's Scott Hall's greatest moments. They know how to do it. So Yep, the Scott Hall tribute package. Right. Also, credit to WWE. They put together a quick tribute package for that on Monday. Right. it It was really nice. Yeah. And had, had that great Hall of Fame speech where he says, you know, it kind of it almost in character, like hard work pays off, dreams come true, bad times don't last, but bad, but bad guys, guys do. do. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the best place to leave that, man. So, yeah, the thing I learned this week is something we kind of touched on in the past and I'm going to call this confirmed mostly because it comes from somebody who used to work for Twitch. So I'm assuming they're being as honest as possible. But Twitch apparently loses money to the large streamers. And they kind of double down on taking money from the mid-carders, the affiliates, if you will, because that's where they make the most money. So when it comes off like your viewing experience is worse or whatever and blah, 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 or they're pushing more ads or whatever, like they are. And they're trying to save money at that level because that's where they make the most money. And they're using the affiliates to effectively subsidize Twitch and then kind of breaking even on the people that are in the like zero to 15, 20-ish range. And then everybody above that up to like, I don't know, it sounds like about around 60 to 75 uh ccv tend to be the ones that pay all the bills and then when you're above that especially the people that are into like the thousands of viewers they just lose money on those people it doesn't surprise me because just, just look at what we've seen them do recently just you know, they've, they've already i guess we, we well as you said for from somebody in the know that they lose money that's before they make stupid mistakes like look, mm-hmm. look at the whole ninja situation where ninja leaves twitch Goes to Mixer for roughly 10 minutes before Mixer goes belly up. And then, you know, at that point, they got to pay Ninja a huge amount to come back because he's just sitting there with all this money he got from working for Microsoft for 10 seconds. So now they got to pay him a huge cut. The whole Dr. Disrespect situation where we, I guess at this point, aren't ever going to find out exactly what he supposedly did wrong, whatever it was. Yeah, hell, that was two years ago. So whatever happened, happened. Yeah, so whatever it was, it wasn't so bad that he can't work for YouTube. So there's another yeah. million-dollar deal blowing up, and I'm sure, because the deal apparently has been resolved now to, I guess, the kind of sort of satisfaction of both parties, and I'm sure there probably was a check written there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it, it's... I don't know. I feel like... And again, I don't know all their particulars, so I'm not going to claim to know. But it feels like somebody can sit there and figure out, okay, how do we make money off of it? Now, the person explained that the only way they felt that money could be made off of those people is to basically have it set up where if you're larger, you get like 1% or 2% or whatever, some percentage less per sub over certain thresholds so they could more easily, I guess, pay for everything based on the the large uh, creators, but nobody's going to want that deal. You know, so it's like how it's hard, I guess, as as a creator and even somewhat as a viewer and user to some extent. How does something owned by Amazon that owns the whole AWS network and everything else, 
like end up having a platform that's for streaming that somehow can't afford to put high-end streaming bandwidth to everybody and somehow loses money on their best creators and somehow has to effectively financially manipulate all the people in the middle. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't well, know. it's kind of how they built their main company is, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to kind of, you know, we're going to really hit customer service and shipping stuff. Sometimes we're going to maybe take a loss, but we want to ship a bunch of stuff. And how do we make that back? We're not going to pay our actual employees all that much. So they're trying to run the same business model. I mean, I guess so. And the argument from the person, because somebody said, well, how come? YouTube and Facebook and whatever can pay more per sub. And they're like, well, because their bandwidth's not the same. Which, to some extent, I could see that being true as part of the reason. But they're paying more percentage-wise across the board on everything. Like, you're talking about ads, subs, any type of merchandise transaction, or anything that goes through a thing, you're getting more percentage-wise on the other platforms than you are on Twitch. And each of those networks are also running huge other platforms around it. So it's not like they're not spending money somewhere. You know what I mean? And I guess you could argue that YouTube is able to double dip because, okay, before you YouTube something, there's a strong possibility that you Googled it first. Maybe. I mean, that's very possible. But that's also one of the benefits we've talked about before, right, with YouTube. Is it a, a good example? Like, you you have your gaming stuff. Like, you've been putting up a bunch of stuff right now with uh, WWE 2K22, right? Right you're going to get more people probably watching those videos and whatnot just from searching stuff or whatever than you probably would get people watching you stream it on Twitch. Yeah, and the numbers so far bear that out. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So it's not even like there's not benefits to that even being a thing. So it's it's tough. Right now, I think the best play for Twitch is for Twitch to buy Hover. Uh, for people who don't know what Hover is, Hover is a, uh trying to think of the best way to describe it, like a, like a, TikTok equivalent for Twitch streamers, I guess the best way. Like you can take clips from your Twitch stuff and actually have a place to use them, so people can flip through. And if they watch certain games, they can flip through creators showing their favorite clips or whatever. And then if they want to, they can click a button and go follow you over over on Twitch. Basically, the discoverability platform that Twitch should probably have already. So I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year if they just buy Hover, honestly. Because that, that'd be a good play. But as far as, yeah, making money off your stuff or whatever, like, yeah, Twitch pays the worst right now. And it's amazing that that's a thing. Especially since we looked up there. They made a lot of money the last couple of years. <laughs> like, And they've been showing significant growth year over year. Yeah. Now, admittedly, the other platforms have too. But, like, there's enough money there that you can't. It's hard to even make that an excuse other than than greed. So, yeah, it's. I think some of the stuff, what it feels like, and I could be wrong. So, I mean, you know, take are, are, are you still feeling like the whole thing is probable? Because I hear a bunch of people still saying the whole thing is losing money. Um, I don't know, truthfully. I mean, for me, it just feels like there are things that were in place at some point in the past. I don't know when the last major update or whatever was to their whole back end and presentation. But it feels like they reached a point and said, OK, this is good enough. We're the leaders. We're going to keep it like this. And then sort of just started stacking stuff on top of that. And as the other platforms have kind of come up and there's now 
I guess, I mean, really, we start calling them real competitors now because now they're eating up like 20, 30% of the market share. They haven't really done anything to keep up, right? Where people went, okay, well, we're just going to pay more for subs. We're going to do this so you're more discoverable. You know, we were talking about it last uh, last show or the show before where YouTube now is like, if you're watching one of my videos and I go live, you can click a button and come watch me live, right? Those are things that are huge that are adding to people wanting to go there. Plus, I can tell you right now, I have streams that went up the other day that made some money last night while I was asleep, you know, because they're still being pushed and promoted to people. And you don't have that on Twitch. So I don't know. I sort of feel like if Twitch found a way to do that, then those videos would continue generating ads even when I'm not live. And that could help pay for some of the stuff that we complain about on Twitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the other platforms, when I have stuff up, there is still ads revenue being generated from those even when I'm not live. And I think that's one of the things that does help those other platforms. But who the heck knows? I just thought it was interesting to find out that your speculation was right, that they were actually losing money on large streamers. So, just, yeah. I mean, again, looking at this, some of the chaos they have, you know, it just it doesn't surprise me. Fair. I mean, you're not wrong. But all right, let's get into the news of the week, because boy, do we have some stuff. All right, so we're going to have to watch our words on this one. But for those of you who don't know, uh, I mean, I don't know how, if you were on Twitter at all, I don't know how you missed it over the last 48 hours. But one Michael David Lynch, who is the, I guess, producer, would be his title owner, creator, something higher up with I Hate Your Deck uh, YouTube channel, which is very successful, by the way. And just over, what, about a year and a half, two years time? They've really been crushing it over there. It was brought to everyone's attention in a news story. I can't remember what the source was that reported. I believe the Washington Post was was the major source that reported reported it. There was a couple of others that went in on it, too. But they, they... interviewed and i don't know if we should put the woman's name out there but like interviewed a woman who had worked on a movie with him and the short version was she was effectively manipulated into having a nude scene Uh, they agreed on there being two different scene shots she would get to veto them she vetoed the full nude one which she did not like and they went with that anyway and put that in the final product after apparently saying that, hey, we'll we'll talk to you about it. Yeah. And I guess that was in 2012, 2013. And I don't I don't know why it came up now or not. I'm just giving timeline to to what everything was. I think that the Washington Post reporting is where I'm trying to see when there. I think the Post did it as part of a story. They're just talking about just the, the Me Too movement and how oh, it's changing Hollywood. And I think, I mean, okay, obviously initial issue was bad. So like there's there's no mincing words there and we're not making any apologies for that. So whatever we say, understand that we agree that this is a bad effed up situation. But where I think MDL messed up was he got defensive about it, which to be fair, anybody has major accusations against more. I get it. That's human nature. But he went on and posted a video. I guess it was some type of interview with the woman 
where it sounded like she, I guess, was to portray her as being originally okay with it or having said one thing and then later said another thing. Or I don't know, but he had posted it. And that just didn't sit well with a lot of people for good reason. And then I guess it was about 24 hours-ish the next day sometime. He did put out his official apology statement, whatever, uh, and seems to be taking more responsibility for it. But I think he did himself a disservice by posting that first video. I feel like if you had legal representation, they probably would have been like, nah, bad move. Don't do that. <laughs> you know? But yeah, it's it's kind of a tough situation, right? Because there was a lot of people who had been on his show. A lot of people who felt very positive about him and his show, you know, that he had given a lot of people of marginalized groups an op opportunity to be on people that were up and comers that people didn't really know about in some cases or not know much about. Uh, they got the opportunity to be on there and get some exposure and it was really positive, you know, even up until this, I would even say I'm not sure. Well, except for with one of his co-hosts, I didn't really know of there being anything negative said about him up to this point. And I think that's kind of what really bothered people is because he I don't I don't say he reached it yet, but he was kind of on that path, I would say, to being like. A, a pillar of the community. And then this kind of calls a lot of things into questions for people. So it's, it's a tough situation. And I think him starting out handling it poorly didn't help his case at all. Yeah, it just compounded the, the original set of mistakes within when we've talked before about, you know, how, how to apologize. It's not like this is where it's important. Like the first line of his apology basically he uses the passive first of all passive voice is bad just in general because it makes stuff sound like you, you remove like oh something just happened to somebody we all know how it's not how people talk and he said you know an incident took place where okay he's accepting no responsibility just something happened during the movie like, okay you were directing the movie right <laughs> it didn't I just mean, happen I'm, I'm with you but you know my stance like i i'm a grown-up i get it you yeah. probably have legal counsel that says we we want you're allowed to post this worded this way. You know what I mean? Like and whether we like it or not, that is a thing, especially being in Hollywood where he's at. Like guarantee you somebody went, nah, you sh they probably went over it and went like, nope, here's a better worded version. You should use this. Now, what's going to come of it? I have no idea, you know. It, is it a thing that there any charges being pressed or whatever? It doesn't sound like it, you know, nothing like that. But it does create some character questions. And it puts some people in a bad spot because, like I said, he's he's done some positive things and people felt good working with him. And now there I heard a few people, not many, but a few people got a little bit of backlash from having worked with him. You know, and it's like they didn't know. I mean, this is something from 10 years ago. How are they supposed to know? You know what I mean? Like, that's, we need to be better than that. Like, nobody went into that going like, oh, I heard he did this thing to this woman. Okay, well, that's fine with me. Da, 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 da. Like, that's not what happened, right? Everybody kind of got blindsided with this. So it's it's a little tough. But I don't I don't know where, it, like, all this is done. Like, I where where do you feel this now puts 
him and or his channel within I mean, the status this, of the community. This is bad, and it's probably not going to blow over for a long time because, you know, he was so poorly handled initially. And so much, it just all of it could have been prevented because, okay, if you're doing a movie, I guess to be going to put my actor hat on. If you're doing a movie like A Basic Instinct or Nine and a Half Weeks, where, okay, you could argue, yes, nudity is important. This is in some kind of an erotic thriller. People, if like if you're adapting Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah, there better be some, some crazy stuff going on because that's what people would expect from the book. For your average movie, Nudity is really not required. It just it's another it's just men exerting their power over young women trying to get an acting job. It just this is a per had had he not pushed this, none of these other things take place. <laughs> yeah, I kind of hear where you're coming from there on that. You know, for me, I feel like the initial incident is just like if for whatever reason I'm the director, I feel like there needs to be some boobies in the movie. I just go get somebody else that wants to show their boobies in the movie. Even if you've done that, if you 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 set yourself up for all manner of, of things that can happen later. Look, for example, Sharon Stone is now saying she didn't want to do the scene in Basic Instinct, and you know, as sure as you, oh, sure, sure, sure. I look, but I'm just saying, like, if I think it's that important, I just put it down in writing and say, like, hey, here's the reason we're bringing you on. There's going to be a I don't know five minute scene of X Y Z. So it's all up front. You know, or you don't. I'm not. And then you don't have to manipulate anybody. But it's 2022. Good luck firing somebody because they wouldn't get naked in a movie. Oh, it's not even firing somebody. You, you just tell them up front either. Yeah, this is what we need for the role. If, if it's not what you want, then cool. But then there's no manipulation. I, to me, that's I'm, the biggest problem. I have a hard time. Because <laughs> you talk about legal stuff, I can't even imagine being able to put that in the contract. To, hey, you, I don't even think it's legal to say you have to get naked to do this movie. I bet you could. I mean, there's adult movies, so like you know, I wouldn't, well, okay, that's an obvious situation where yeah, well, I'm just saying, you, like if those exist, other contracts have to exist. But again, even there, I don't know if they put it on paper that you got to get naked. It's just understood that you won't get the role if you don't get naked. I don't know if they put it on paper anywhere. No, nah, I, I would. There's and a paper trail at that that's point. Fine. I mean, I because I because here, because here's my biggest issue with this whole thing is even beyond the fact of like we put the boobies in the movie, whatever is that he according to the story and I'm trusting everything to be true. They even agreed on, OK. You're uncomfortable. So let's shoot two scenes, one with the boobies and one without the boobies. And then you could review them. And if you don't like the boobies, we'll go with the other one. And then we still went with the boobies. You know, like that's my problem is like you kind of coerced her to like, okay, cool, we'll give you these options so you'll at least go through with it and then we'll get to see both of them or whatever. And then you took away the option that you gave her. And again, there's the power about between the director sure. and the actress trying to get a job. And it's one thing if you just say, okay, hey, here's the deal. We're shooting this movie. We feel this scene's necessary, you know, whatever. But it's that extra step of manipulation. Of like, okay, we're going to go through these things, giving you agency over it. And then we just said, no, nah, it doesn't really matter. Right. Like that. That's the biggest issue, because if both sides would have agreed on a thing and you do a thing, OK, fine, whatever. But 
you did agree to, you talked about it, and you took away the thing you allowed her to agree to. That's that's what really makes it tough. So now again, I will say that was 10 years ago. I get it. You know, mistakes, whatever. And we're going to talk about this somewhat in the in the dinner table because this kind of leads to another conversation I got into a little bit over the weekend about rehabbing your personality, your you know, legal system, recidivism rates, stuff like that. There's a lot of that kind of tied into how we treat people when they have mistakes in their past and kind of want to dive into that a little bit, but I want to do it separate of this conversation because I don't want anyone to take away that we think any of this was okay to do. You know, I want to be a hundred percent clear about that, that like this was a messed up situation. Like in, but I do think there are still, topics related to it that still need to be discussed and talked about. So we'll kind of, as they say in professional circles, we'll, we'll circle back to this uh, to kind of wrap up the show because we do have some other things to talk about. And one of those things had me being the bad guy on Twitter <laughs> this week. Hey, yo. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to be the Scott Hall for the week. But um, I guess it, for like to kind of give you the short version, Wizards is promoting stuff for uh, Streets of New Capenna. And first off, this isn't, I think there was a miscommunication of people who just don't know how things work. People assumed Wizard was doing this thing and putting this blurb out there specifically for this set or whatever. But Wizards, as part of their marketing stuff from back even before I worked with them, like they had, they have basically packages of things and messaging they send to retailers. And one of those things is, hey, here's some ideas for decorating your store or celebrating the set, or here's some backstory that you may want to use for your events or whatever, right? Just for the people who want to go the extra mile, here's some extra context to help your things be better. So that's where this originates from to begin with. But basically, they're talking about this item in the storyline that they call Halo, which is basically like a magical steroid, if you will. Like you take it, it gives you enhances your magical powers for some amount of time. And the I guess whatever we're calling them, the families, the crime lords, the consiglieries, I don't know, are trying to fight for control of it or something. And that's kind of one of the big backstories to Capenna. And they were like, hey, just so you know, this is going to be a thing. If you choose to do it, don't do anything silly like serve it in martini glasses or whatever and try to make it look like a thing that, you know, kids shouldn't be having or whatever, right? Well, that set some people off on Twitter. And I, and I saw all kinds of different takes. And I kind of wanted to level set some stuff to begin with. Because I responded to, I don't know, must have been like 50 people. But the first is that, honestly, in my experience... I would say under 20% and probably even 10% of retail stores even do any of this anyway. You know as well as I do, Brian, when you go to pre-release, a bunch of them are just herd the people in, get them to their seats, open the packs, herd them out. Yeah, the overall majority are that. Yeah, get the next event started. So it's not like this is messaging that's going to affect even half of the local game stores, whatever. Most of them, hell, I'd bet most of them never even saw this announcement, to be honest. I can also tell you that I know this was shared in the WPN group because that's a thing. 
Every retailer I spoke to that saw the announcement didn't give a damn about it. And I will tell you what, these retailers will complain about everything. At damn near every, and I'm not even exaggerating. I can't remember when I was in that group, like the number of times that like Nelson posted something in there and completely passive, somebody out of the blue would be like, well, the the blue packaging looks bad on my wall or whatever it was, right? There's There was something silly. Nobody had a complaint about this. And that was kind of one of my big issues. I'm like, okay, we know a lot of stores aren't affected. And of all the retailers I spoke to and the few that will actually do some of these things, they don't care at all. So if they're the ones that technically have the legal ramifications and everything over them, who cares? And then we had people trying to fabricate these ridiculous situations like, well, what if somebody brings real drugs to the pre-release trying to make it look like fake drugs and whatever? I'm like, why would you even have those people playing in your store anyway? You get the person the boot and probably get them arrested. That has nothing to do with any Wizards promotion or WPN anything or pre-release. That's just an idiot in your store. Of course, I guess you don't know they're an idiot, you know, until they, uh, let's say they're a brand new idiot. Sure. Yeah. And then I still put a swift boot in their butt and kick them out. That assumes you see it. Let's say that somebody spikes a drink. And yeah, of course, you didn't see it because there's 50 million other things going on at your pre-release. But here's the thing. That's not been any different than any other day in any game store that does those events. Because the stores that do it, they already run like, hey, here's our yearly anniversary party. We're celebrating the birthday of one of our longtime customers. Here's a thing we're doing with some community group. Like they do that all the time. That's part of their branding for the ones that do it, which leads to my other complaint. I literally had somebody say, well, they're going to be doing all this and nobody's going to have food permits and blah, blah. Like they never have. When have you like you went to a game store and somebody had a cake because it was somebody's birthday? You think somebody's there like wearing gloves and handling things and both? Well, they'll probably wear gloves now because of COVID or whatever. Yeah. But that's not a thing. Never has been. You know, this is all pre-COVID. We used to walk around and we used to get con crud and not worry. But we, we went to stuff knowing we were going to get sick and didn't worry about it because it was just the sure. con crud. But that has nothing to do with the Wizards announcement. Like, you know what I mean? Like the stores that handle it are going to handle it. They always have. They always will. This isn't really a thing. I, I was like, I was telling you what my local store, they used to do potlucks every set. And we just bring whatever. And everybody just ate while we played cards. Yeah. And I just wouldn't be comfortable with that now. <laughs> sure. Now, like I said, depending on how you bring it, if it's like individually wrapped stuff or you, like I said, you got stuff in a crock pot that's covered, I'd probably still be good. But if you bring like, I don't know. You make some badass lumpias or spring rolls and they're just sitting out in the open. Eh, I probably wouldn't feel too good about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but there's still ways to do that. Right. And that was kind of like my issue is just like the stores that do it already do it. Oh, and by the way, that was another thing because I pointed out that, well, you know, cause somebody tried, well, pandemic is and pandemic. that. I'm like, that's cool. I get it. I understand. But the stores that give a damn about the pandemic are, and the ones that aren't, aren't. And, those stores are going to do what they're going to do. And then I get told that I've got it. Well, they didn't use a nice language, but I have a crappy take because I'm like, well, the stores with the are going to do what they're going to do. Yo, I was just in Texas last week. You know, as well as I do, some of y'all ain't been pandemic in at all. I'm aware. Believe me, I'm aware. I mean, hell. So like, and I had to explain to somebody, it ain't a bad take when it's a fact. 
and I went to multiple places and checked stuff out while I was down there. Some people, I don't even know if they knew COVID happened the way they were operating. Well, you know, some people think it's a myth. Well, that's my point. So, like, you can't even hold them in the equation because those stores are going to do what they're going to do. And that's literally what I said. That's an actual fact. Hell, we had people trying to get into the event that were upset that they got turned away because we were still making more masks. And then they tried to hop on our damn stream and talk about, like, well, don't you know we already beat COVID? Like, man, if I could reach through the screen. But seriously, like, this is a non-issue. And don't get me wrong. Some people are like, well, some people have issues with, you know, drugs or alcohol, or blah, blah. I, I get it. I do. And there's nothing wrong with saying like, hey, this makes me uncomfortable because of my past issues or whatever. Totally understandable. However, pushing and saying like, this is irresponsible. This is tone deaf. Wizards are idiots for putting this out here. Blah, blah. Like, ah, slow down. Because there are things that we don't like. That we have some past issues or problems with things. And it's okay to express them. But I also understand that they are personal. And I'm not out there making attacks and making blatant statements about people and things. But this statement, this announcement, and by the way, they clarified that it wasn't really a drug and they apologize for how it was initially worded. It's really like a magical enhancement thing, blah, blah, blah. And they put out this whole thing so people knew what was going on. But it's whatever, right? The people say, ah, oh, it's a kid's game. Like they put 13 plus for legal reasons. We all know that the average, oh, I say we all know, we've talked about it on the show before, that the average age of a Magic player is nearly 27 years old, right? So we're not fooling anybody. And we have all kinds of stories and books. Hell, somebody pointed out, we have a card called Murder that just depicts a murder. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we can talk about sensitive things or whatever if we need to, if it's a question. But as far as this being a rash of incidents at pre-releases and whatever. Like, it's not going to matter because, like I said, the majority of them aren't going to do a damn thing other than just run events and get people out the door anyway. So, like, it was hard. Like, And this is what I told people. It's hard for me to be bothered just because of personal background, experience running the events, knowing what I know about other retailers and the network, and knowing how few would even do any type of party, presentation, food, whatever, anyway. And honestly, some of them, like we were saying, because of COVID, are probably even less likely to do even drinks or food. Or They might decorate and stuff, but they're probably not even going to do food and things this time. So the odds of anything even mattering are going to be so small. It just seriously felt like it was a slow news day. And us being gamers and particularly Magic players, it was a chance to just be bothered, upset, take a shot at Wizards, whatever. But it's really a non-issue. Now, I don't know how you felt about it, but that's me, man. It just didn't matter. I mean, I could see, I, I could see the complaints. But based around what? I, like you said, if somebody has an issue with drugs, this could be a trigger thing. Sure. But then, you know what? I don't go. But I mean, hell, maybe, I don't just, even, maybe I don't even buy this set since I know what it's just, about. But let's say you have an alcohol problem. What's some place you think you can go or you want to worry about it? Your local comic book shop, because there shouldn't be any alcohol there, you would think. It's different than going to a bar. Sure, I agree. But are we to, and I don't mean this to take, you know, be inconsiderate, because again, I have alcohol issues and, and family violence in my past, right? 
are we to never write a story that includes that stuff again? We've talked about it before. Like, are we to never put slavery into another story? Like, no, it can still exist. It's just we just have to be aware and treat it carefully. That's all. And again, Wizards does not have the best track record with treating sensitive issues carefully. 100, 100% agree. No arguments there. But for people to just say it should never exist because I have a problem or something's happened to me or my past, I don't think is also fair either. But that's not even, like I said, not the majority of what people were even coming after with that. It was mostly just Wizards is encouraging drug use and blah, blah. And it's like, no, that's not what's going on here. It's just not. And like, I get it. Some people are going to be mad and people are going to disagree. And that's cool. I don't have a problem with it. But like I said, from literal lived experience in the industry and communication with people in the industry regularly, no one cared. I, li- I think I literally found one person, I think, on Twitter who has a retail store that had a problem with it. And that's it. And I don't even know. I didn't ding them to see if they were even going to host a party or if they were one of those stores that did that stuff or whatever. Anyway, I have no idea. But literally a single person. But everyone else I checked with didn't even like some of them didn't even know about it. And when they did, they kind of went, oh, that's not a big deal. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Just making sure I wasn't missing something. Of course, you said yourself, 90 percent of them won't do anything. So. Yeah, they, they have little reason to care if they're not going to personally get involved with it. Well, yeah, and that's but, why I tried to reach out to the ones that I knew were better and did more like uh, to do about pre-releases, because I assume the majority of ones that won't, they, their opinion doesn't really matter because they weren't going to do it anyway. But yeah, I don't know. It was just one of those things, you know, and, and I, I get it. Some people are just bothered. You see some words and you immediately jump to the most negative thing. And maybe if you don't know the industry, you think it's a thing like, but I don't know, even then, I if people think about how many stores have you been to where there's been like a big to do about pre-release with parties, costumes, food, whatever, unless it's your regular home store, a bunch of people probably had never experienced that. So it's really not a huge deal, but yeah, I don't know is what it is. I don't think it's a huge deal one way or the other. It's kind of already blown over at this point. People decided they were either going to be okay with it or they weren't, but you know, it does kind of raise another question. Of at what point... Actually, okay, here's another thing. Uh, the recent movie Red that came out, or whatever, right? There's a there's a segment where I guess the... And I haven't watched I had to read through some reviews of it. But apparently there's a segment where a a young woman in the, the show is experiencing some type of... I don't even know, I guess like a superpower sort of thing. We're acting out, effectively. And a parental, maternal figure is basically coming forward with like, hey, do I need to get you something? Like Basically making references to a possible menstrual issue. And that bothered people, apparently. Oh, yeah, the Turning Red movie, the Panda yeah. movie. And some of them are like, oh, well, now I had to have this conversation with my son or I had my, my kids asked about blah, blah, or whatever. And it's like... Okay, you're mad because you had to have a conversation about a normal thing. Like, I I didn't get that either. Like, that's another one I felt like people are just being mad. Like, it's a normal thing that happens. Like, it's things that are in the world. Like, we need to talk about these things and not be so weird about them. And maybe sometimes I get it. Maybe you feel like your kid was a little too young. 
Maybe they didn't get the reference. I don't know. There's ways to address it or not. But even that felt that. And obviously, we're not talking about the same thing. We're talking about like bodily functions versus potential drugs or whatever. It's obviously different. You know, I don't want to like conflate the two and say these are equal. But I think it's another one of those situations like, oh, well, now I'm put in this situation where I have to deal with it because you put this in front of my kids or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. I like I feel I don't know, man. I feel like sometimes just as Americans, we we worry about too much stuff. Matter of fact, I even had one of the oh, where is he from? I want to say he's from South America. And he had posted something being sarcastic or whatever, which when you're in that level of discretion, I just take everything at face value, right? So I'm just giving like a normal response. And he's like, oh, no, I wasn't being serious. I just thought assumed everybody would know about like not bringing drugs to a local game store or whatever. I'm like, honestly, everybody does, right? <laughs> Where people are just making, because they were confused. People were even making like a real thing over it. And I'm like, yeah, they probably shouldn't be. So yeah, end of the day, like I said, people are welcome to have their opinions. I'm just telling you from my standpoint as an industry expert, talking to other industry experts, the industry experts don't care. Like that's, that's really all I can say. It's just like all the people who would have a literal financial stake in it to the point that they could be sued or whatever, litigation, whatever. Those are the people that don't care. So if those people have their livelihood invested in it for possible litigation or whatever, and they don't care, we're probably good to go. You know what I mean? Like all the people who should be bothered aren't bothered. I think we're all right. I think we're going to be okay. But anyway, let's talk about our next topic. So remember how we mentioned Twitch was working on a new ad incentive program or the AIP a couple weeks ago? Apparently some of that started rolling out and it ain't good. Now, Color me shocked. <laughs> yeah. And remember, we said like the initial thing where they were like, hey, we're going to give people $200, $400, $500, whatever. We were like, that seems like a bit much, right? This is very uncharacteristic of Twitch. I don't know if this is going to go down like that. Because again, we were trying to work the math and say, well, how many ads is that? Like, how much are you making now? With blah, blah, you know, trying to figure this whole thing out. Well, apparently, not only. At least so far, I only know a handful of people who got it. I don't know how widespread it was because I don't think I got my update yet. But from the people who got it, not only did they not get that package that we had talked about, you know, do the 40 hours, get $200, get $300, get $500, right? That wasn't a thing. But what they did get offered or at least told about, I don't know if it was really much of an offer, is actually worse than what they're getting now. So, so is the, the the offers they talked about, or do those just not exist, or did those particular yeah. streamers not get them? No, those, those I, to my knowledge, nobody has gotten one of those yet, unless okay. they were in the testing period. So I don't even know if those are still going to even happen for the general public moving forward, truthfully. But they were saying if they did the math, and what they would make per ad works out to be somewhere up to 10 to 15% less, depending on the person, than what they get now. So Twitch is going to be trying to incentivize people to run more ads for less per ad. Now, technically, you make slightly more money because, you know, just math of more ads or whatever. But yeah, you're making less per one that shows up. So you're making your viewer experience worse to make less money per instance. I don't get it, man. 
I guess maybe the plan is to, hey, you know, the next time somebody brings up, hey, Facebook and YouTube do this way better. Hey, we tried it and you didn't like it. And then they get to move on. <laughs> maybe. I don't even know. Like, it's it's great because even on YouTube, the ads, I believe the ad split is like 55, 45. It's either 55, 45 or 60, 40 or whatever. But it, you get better than half regardless of every dollar that comes in for ads. And you're getting way less than that for Twitch. I believe the CPM I've seen on my Twitch stuff was like three and a half. And I want to go back and look at a recent video here on the stats. But I'm pretty sure on YouTube, even a average to bad CPM for me right now on like one of my gameplay videos is in the like, 16 to 18 dollar range and that's your cpm your rpm is the part you get cpm is how much they're giving you credit for per thousand views so you're not even getting 350 you're getting i don't know by their split probably a buck 75 if you get 50 percent for an actual rpm so that's actually way worse than anything because like my rpm on a video i put up when did this go up last week because it was or actually over the weekend and my rpm was 870 so a little two and a half times more than the cpm you're talking more than hell eight times more than the actual rpm i would get from twitch this is a lot of math i'm not prepared to do any math well, this evening. I'm, just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying like twitch ads ain't worth crap like I was on last night on stream trying to explain to people how it works. And I said, literally, I turned some of my ads off because when I went and looked at it, my Twitch ads only make up. They don't even they barely made up 10 percent of the most recent uh, payout. That I got from Twitch. So at that point, I'm like, well, if I just don't have ads, but people are happier because I have few ads appearing on my channel and people hang out longer then I possibly just make more money anyway. I, and to me, the part of the story that I don't want to go unignored if this is what happened is that they gave examples of, I guess, ad rates that apparently nobody got. Exactly. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that, that's wild if that's what happened, where the example they gave is the thing they had no intention. So please, anybody, if you got offered the, the example they gave, or what was the number on the example they gave? Something like, was it? Uh, and the initial program, the one they started at least testing in late January, early February was like, if you did 40 hours of streaming and two ads per hour, you would get like $200 at the end of the month. And then I think it was like at three ads and then four plus ads, it was like $300 and $500, I think is what they did. So yeah, that's the example they gave and nobody actually got that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So at least so far, I'm not saying nobody got it. I'm just saying of the few people I've seen either post about it or that I reached out to, none of them got offered anything close to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put the feelers out too, see if anybody has gotten anything close to that. Because that's, that's super shady if they announced that as an example and didn't offer anybody that rate. Yeah, it's not even. And remember, we sat here on the show and we said this math doesn't work. Like you're just going to be paying people to run ads and some of them are going to be making more than they make right now per month on Twitch. So I didn't know at all from the beginning how that even made sense to offer to people. Because you know as well as I do, there's a bunch of people that are at the affiliate level that don't even make $300 a month from Twitch. Right. 
but all we're going to do is run three ads per hour and you're going to pay me out $300. Plus I still get all my other stuff, all my subs and whatever. Yeah. There'd be no reason not to do that. Yeah. Like they, people would run the crap out of those ads. Right. To do that tomorrow. But like I said, when I went and looked at my numbers and I'm like, well, if after I'm assuming 50%, it could be better or worse as an RPM. But I'm looking at that and I'm looking at the average thing I get on YouTube. And I'm just like, why would I even want to run ads on Twitch? Really? There's almost no benefit. Like, seriously, I mean, it sounds crazy, but really, there's almost no benefit. And I don't understand the plan of like, okay, well, we're going to incentivize people to run more ads by paying them less per ad and sell it as, but you'll make more money per month. Well, technically, yes, but like, that's just a volume thing. (laughs) And we've been talking anyway about how the viewing experience has gotten progressively worse on Twitch anyway. Yeah, I'm going back through my videos that didn't even perform well, and I'm trying to find like the lowest RPM. I found 468 as an R, not a CPM, mind you, that Twitch is telling you about, which I said is the whole number. And you usually get whatever break broke down portion of that is your actual take home RPM. The lowest one I have right now is 468 as an RPM. So I'm pretty sure that's going to be at least two, if not close to three times as much as I would get from an ad on Twitch. And I'm trying to find like my worst performing ones in the last couple of weeks. Because those tend to get the lowest. Okay, I have I have one that has an RPM of 328. That's as close as I can get to matching it. That's the lowest I have available. So the worst I can do is take home the full amount I would get from my Twitch CPM. That's not even comparable, man. Ads ain't worth crap on, on Twitch. They're just not. And uh, yeah, and this is kind of why I started asking people, which also led me to be somewhat of a lesser bad guy. <laughs> a, a mid-card heel, not the full well, time. Was, the this card. was more of like, it was just more jobber heat. More than anything else. <laughs> X-Pac heat, as yeah, it's called. It was more of that, right? It was one, two, three kid heat. It wasn't even X-Pac wow. heat. Wow. Yeah. If you know, you know. Uh, but... <laughs> I had asked people, and, and, I, and I asked this earnestly, like an actual legit question. Why do people target being partner on Twitch when nobody can really express the benefits? And, and I, because nobody, uh, the only thing I really got was some people use it as like a personal mile marker, which that I can respect. If you're saying like, hey, I've just been on Twitch for five years, six years. It, I just made it a personal goal, so I feel good about the time I put it. We're cool. I can respect that, right? Not for me, but I get it. Other people said, well, you know, once you're a partner, you get better transcoding, so your feed looks better for your viewers or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's at least a benefit, which I don't well, know why they don't try to give it to more people. That's the second time in the past 10 minutes you've completely like, what? <laughs> Do what <it> now? <laughs> But what do you mean? As far as the transcoding? You see, you said, tra- yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that is. It's I basically, I know what that it's is. basically <laughs> the level of the feed frequency. So your feed drops less and you can have a higher like resolution and stuff like that. Just the okay. quality of the stream effectively. All right. But 
that's something they should just be working to give to more people anyway, right? That, sh- that shouldn't be a thing that you have to be a partner for. But whatever. It is. I guess it's expensive. Whatever. <laughs> fine. But my argument was that's cool. People use that to justify it after the fact. But there's nobody sitting here going like, man, you know what I got to do? I got to get to partner so I get better transcoding for my viewers. Yeah, I can't right? imagine that people yeah, would put that on, thing, their, right? on their whiteboard, so to speak. And then the other things, well, you make more per thing. Well, originally I heard instead of getting 50% on subs, so instead of the $5 you get $250, it gets bumped up to where you get either 3 or 350 depending on who you are. However... I spoke to somebody earlier today. They're not even getting more per sub. So then I'm like, what are you really getting? And he's like, well, nothing, which is why I sent him a letter to just remove my check mark and not be a partner anymore. And I was like, cool, probably smart move. Because again, this kind of comes back to what's the point of having an exclusivity agreement with somebody when you're not getting anything for it? Because the only time I've ever signed an NDA or the only time I've ever done anything else is because I'm getting something out of that. Like I've, I've talked sense. about on the show, right? We have that black gaming creator thing that we've been working yep. on with, with Facebook. There's certain things I have to do to satisfy that contract with Facebook. However, they are paying me to do those things. So that makes perfect sense. But if Twitch came to me and was like, hey, it, would it be cool if you did these things for us? I'd be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> like... I mean, because what are you what are you getting out of that? Somebody's like, oh, well, they give you more moat slots. I'm like, hell, they're giving moat slots away like they're candy right now anyway. <laughs> like, that's not worth justifying. Like, I can't stream on moat health. I can't stream on another platform. I have to have this 24 hour waiting period. I can't do these things. You know, it's like emote slots sir. emote slots. Yeah. But think about it, like no matter what your job is, if you have any type of non-compete clause, NDAs, whatever, it's because you are getting also some significant benefit from those contracts. That would only make sense. But when most people can't tell me what the benefit is, hell, I I also found out you used to, I guess sometime pre-pandemic, you used to get assigned a partner rep or something with them. You don't even get that anymore. If you need contact at Twitch, you send the thing into the void and somebody from a partner team eventually gets back to you. So you don't even get personalized help anymore. And we already know the partners make up like whatever it is, like two to five percent of all the Twitch streamers or something anyway. So it's not like there's a ton of people. Like we talked about, that should just be the basic customer service you get anyway is, hey, if you got a problem, there's somebody you can talk to to get that resolved but yeah it's not a thing they have yeah so it's such a such a tough thing and i and the thing is i didn't want to come off like i'm crapping on somebody because like oh you're a partner and it's just worthless right but everything i can read and every person i've spoken to that's either a partner or somebody looking you know a company that sponsors people or whatever none of them care whether you're a partner or not they say it doesn't affect you making money it doesn't affect your sponsorships They just want to know your personality, your messaging, your numbers. That's what they want. That's what they're buying into. And I've even talked to people who have gone to like TwitchCon and they've said like, you can kind of tell the people that don't know because they're trying to rep all their Twitch gear and show that they're partner because I guess you get like, I don't know, a shirt or a hoodie or something that says put your Twitch partner on it or something. And people are trying to like rep their stuff so people know. But he said the people that know, none of them care about labeling themselves. Like they're just there as themselves showing off. They're bringing their one pagers and stuff to go to meetings or whatever and get their stuff done. Like it's, 
it feels like it's a very old thing that Twitch was hanging their hat on. And now there's just more options. I mean, it's very possible because I'm not too far from from partner with Twitch right now. I'm averaging between 50 and 60, right? It's possible I could get to partner on Twitch and be making less than I do on YouTube. And it's not like I'm just blowing up on YouTube. I'm I'm very middle of the road for the most part as far as YouTube success goes. But I could be making more on YouTube still than I would be at partner level on Twitch. And I've had that. And the main reason I was asking is like, okay, as we start approaching the summer, do I want to make a push to be partner on Twitch? It's like, is there something I'm missing? And nobody could really verbalize anything or present a thing that says like, yeah, this is the reason you should be partner. And then seeing what how people are getting treated with the ads. <laughs> it was just like icing on the cake. I'm like, what are they doing over there, man? Because like we were talking earlier, like you've got your WWE 2K videos going up and you're getting more views there than you would get if you were just streaming on Twitch. Absolutely. It's not even close. By again, more math, 10, 20 fold what they'd be doing on Twitch. Yeah, that's that's my point. So like, what is your incentive right now to even push for affiliate or partner or whatever over on Twitch when you're already being able to make headway and be discovered and stuff over on YouTube? Like, yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. I was just saying, you, you, you kind of got me. to <laughs> be. I mean, I had already done affiliate before I started hardcore doing youtube and yeah the, the the difference in discoverability is just night and day yeah and don't get me wrong i'm affiliate level on twitch but really other than just having access to get paid yeah there's nothing else i mean literally it's just i reached a level that now they will legally send me money whenever people pay for subs and youtube i i, I know which things i did i know which steps i took on certain videos to me twitch is still kind of <laughs> by comparison a mystery as to yeah. To how you get discovered. And I still think the biggest reason when it comes to these ads, why I think Facebook and YouTube are willing to pay more for them is the work you do still generates ad revenue when you're not live. Yep. And that's a huge difference. I know a lot of people don't think about it in those terms, but if I get done with this recording, I pop over on YouTube to stream. Let's say I only get, I don't know, 30, 40 viewers. But while I sleep, that's going to be recommended to people who didn't see the live stream or whatever. And some number of people are going to watch that. And granted, it may not be a lot, but I'm going to make another dollar or two overnight while that gets views and I'm not live. If I go do the same thing over on Twitch, I got to get all my subs, bits, whatever, while I'm live, because the minute I shut it down, nobody's going to see that. No ads are really going to be run on it, you know, and that that changes the game entirely. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I was really surprised to hear from people that the ad revenue for this. I don't even know why you call it an ad incentive program because you ain't incentivizing nobody for anything. <laughs> you know, like it's it's definitely oh. mislabeled. That's for sure. But I, I don't understand. I really don't. Like now I was with you. I thought, OK, they may be rolling this out just to test to encourage people to do it with the high dollar amounts. But then we're going to rein it in. I thought maybe the number would come back like half, right? You can get like 50, 100, 200 or something. But, you know, still would have been a good bump for a lot of people. And still would have been reasonable. The numbers would have made sense. 
But to have this where you're not making hardly anything per thousand views. And hell, remember, some people may not even get a thousand views in a month. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. Right. So you're going to have some people that may not have a thousand viewers. So, I mean, they don't even make the full whatever buck 75 or whatever it is. Right. For, for their ads for the month. So I don't know. I really don't. And again, I'm not saying Twitch is awful. I'm not saying don't ever do anything on Twitch. Like, it makes sense, right? There's still an audience there. Some of your friends are still over there, and it makes sense to want to network with people you know. Like, there's still reasons to be over on Twitch. Just from a financial standpoint, I would really tell everybody to take pause and decide how much you're gaining from the exclusivity contracts. Now, again, the affiliate one, you at least get you in the door so you can get paid. So I get that. But when you're trying to take that next level, I don't know if it's worth signing the paperwork for partner until they offer you something, right? Because at least even on YouTube, you know, okay, I get to 4,000 hours, I get my thousand things, and then I just get paid. And you kind of get access to everything after that. You can go in. That's not true. You can get to 10,000 so you can send uh, posts to your people or whatever, right? That's like the next threshold. But everything else, like if you want to hop on and you're like, hey, I have a problem with YouTube or whatever. You can get in and they have a whole customer service team that responds to you live. Put in the queue. It's an online chat thing. Boom, boom, boom. You can get stuff answered. Right? So you get access to all that stuff when you cross that threshold. And though it's a little bit more difficult. Actually, I don't know. I was thinking about that. Do you think it's harder to hit the threshold on YouTube or to hit partner on Twitch? You talking about like the monetization threshold? Yeah. No, 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 no. Like the, well, yeah, on monetization on YouTube versus partner on Twitch. Because obviously getting affiliates actually fairly easy for most people. Yeah. I feel like it's easier to get to monetization on YouTube. If I had to guess, that would be what I would go with. Just knowing the number of people I know that have reached monetization versus number of people who've actually not gotten there to partner on, on Twitch. But getting affiliate on Twitch is actually fairly easy. Yeah. Isn't it like you have to average like three viewers or five viewers? I believe, or something yeah, I believe or whatever? three viewers. Yeah, it's some very low number. So it's just like, hey, just show us you give enough of a damn and we'll pay you. <laughs> you know? So there is a reason to still do it. And honestly, I think that's probably the advantage Twitch has right now is you at least have a very low threshold so people can get something back and make themselves feel good for putting in some amount of effort. Now, admittedly, if you're only getting three to five viewers, it's going to take you a little while to even get to the $100 payout for them to pay yeah. you. That might be a couple months. But at least you get a little bit of something that you can show for it. And, and that does matter. But I think the problem becomes once you are at partner level on Twitch or on Facebook and you start able being able to monetize those, it makes Twitch feel real bad. And I think that's the big issue. Because on Facebook Gaming, I think you only have to have a thousand followers which that's like i don't know subscribers effective but really it's like facebook you can literally just go to all your friends or whatever and be like hey can y'all go over here and just hit the follow button for me or whatever boom that's what i did like yeah. actually i don't even think you have to that's not actually a thousand's wrong it's not even a thousand it's like a hundred because i remember it was a very small number and i just went and told a bunch of people and then i had like 250 in like two hours or something I'm like, yeah, guys, I'm trying to do a thing on Facebook gaming. I need your help or whatever. And people just went, yeah, I got you. And then they all just went and clicked the follow button because you have to do that. And I think you have to stream some small number, like 15 hours over the course of a week or something for two or three weeks in a row. 
and then you at least get whatever their affiliate equivalent is so you can start getting paid. And then I think if you get to a thousand, you become partner and they get you access to a couple other things and a little bit more money or whatever. But again, not too hard to get monetized on, yeah. on Facebook. But yeah, anyway, I know we kind of turned this into a bit of whole like behind the scenes, like here's the <laughs> thing. But but it mostly spawned from, you know, everybody going like, hey, I thought this was going to be a good thing. And now people might be making less for ads while being asked to run more ads on their channel. I went the opposite way and just turned some of mine off. I just literally said, you know what? I don't need your like whatever's going to end up being 25, 30 bucks or whatever for the month. Like, it's fine. Because my logic is if I have fewer ads and people are happier and they're hanging around the stream longer, I only have to get like what? Seven or eight more subs to come close to equaling the number. That seems worth it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'll take that chance over the course of a month. Like, that's okay. But anyway, well, I'm sure we'll be coming back to this because I well, that's not the last we're going to hear about this, I'm sure, as it starts rolling out to more folks. But we did mention we're going to kind of wrap things up, kind of bringing this thing full circle. And we're definitely over the hour, so we probably won't harp on this too much. But kind of coming back to when somebody makes a mistake or is accused of something or even serves jail time because the original conversation over the weekend was about recidivism rates and how we do or don't do a good job rehabbing people in our penal system. But one of the examples we had is there was a guy who he went in real young, sometime between 19 and and young 20. So we'll, we'll just say 20 years old. Right. And he served like 18 to 20 years came out and like the dude was still being judged and looked at as though he was when he went in at 20. And it was kind of like, you know, well, at what point does somebody like that get to rehab their image? You know, like what do you, what does even using uh, Michael David Lynch here, right? As an example, what does he have to do going forward to rebuild his image or trust, if you will, right, with the community. Because it, we have this thing where we often say, when it's us, we want a second chance. When it's somebody else, we're kind of like vilify them, burn them at the stake. You know what I mean? And I feel like we don't really have a middle ground or a system set up for these things. And again, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve some amount of, I don't know if I want to say ostracization, but like, you know, we should be upset about what happened. But again, we're looking at something from 10 years ago. Has he built up enough social clout or history to say that like we at least see a better path on what he's doing? Or does he need to do even more? Right. Like I, 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 and I don't know the right answer, truthfully. And I guess, you know, we, we would have to talk to people that have been on, on, I hate your dick, you know, did he, obviously this is not a situation, you know, where there's going to be full frontal nudity and I hate your dick, but was he, was he respectful? Did he pressure anybody? Did he harass anybody? And I guess probably if any of that, if any of that happened, we will probably see it come out now because that's kind of what happens is, the first person says something and then more people feel encouraged. So if he hasn't done anything, you know, untoward 
with this project, and that's going to be going to go a long way toward rebuilding that image. Yeah, and see, I'm kind of in the same boat you are, and that's sort of why I looked around because I'm like, okay, well, obviously, if there's something else, somebody's about to speak up and say something, yeah. right? But most people have been like, ah, you know, my experience was really positive, and now I'm kind of conflicted, or you know, he was a really positive member of the community, or he gave space to marginalized groups and whatever. And now I feel really bad about this whole thing or, you know, man, I'm kind of messed up right now. Now I'm going to take some time off to think about this or whatever. Right. So, but there was nobody saying like, uh, you know, he kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I was there or yeah, he was, he really, you know, really pushed this something. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know how to feel about it in the end. Like, obviously the situation's messed up, but you know, sh- like, okay, let's say, if he invites me to be on the show next month, do I now catch hell because I'm on his show? I'm sure from some people you would. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, but it, I, if if he asked me nine months from now, is that enough time? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I for real, and I'm asking genuinely, like for real, because I don't know. As if there's somebody looking at you know booking shows, you kind of I guess you you got to read the room. Like yeah, we talked about off, uh, we, we talked about, you know, uh, on pre-show how there are legitimately comedy clubs that are talking about they're probably going to book Bill Cosby. Louis C.K. is already back on tour. Yeah. It's a, it really just if you if you book shows, you kind of got to really I said, read the room, see what the audience's tolerance is for for particular artists. Now and again. What he did is, we like we said, we we discuss it, tons of professional issues that were broken in what he did. But you and I both know, we probably said and did some things we're not happy about in our 20s. You know, hell, stuff I probably don't even remember, to be honest with you. But if somebody brought it up, I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, that, that probably did happen. You know, like, okay, for real, I'm sure I made a racist joke somewhere along the way. Like, it, it'd be silly to say I absolutely never did. Because I'm pretty sure, I know you're a comedian. You probably said oh, something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, have, you know, like, now let's say somebody, stuff. somebody brings one of those up today, right? You go hop on Twitter after we're done recording, and people are like, ah, Brian, blah, blah, hates, I don't know, Japanese because he made this joke or whatever once upon a time. I did one time in a show. Uh, we was, it was improv. And let me say, this is uh, probably some. My my first five or six months at improv, and I felt I felt really bad. <laughs> it's just I mean bad at improv. Not just, but I feel bad about this too. And it's one of those things like, hey, quick, do an accent. And you know, first accent that popped into my mind was a, a horrible like you know white guy playing Charlie Chan Asian accent, and I did it. And I immediately <laughs> after I got on stage, like, oh god, I am so sorry. That was terrible. <laughs> just, yeah, was, that's what I'm saying, right? But if somebody has that footage and that pops up, like, how much hate should people legit? You know what I mean? Like, I like, and don't get me wrong again. I think his situation is a bit different because there were known things that he still stepped on. Yeah. You know, I think, I, I think that that makes it a, a step worse for sure. And then multiple levels. It wasn't just one mistake. We exactly. were probably, we were counting probably seven or eight. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, progressive. That's what makes it bad. Like there are levels to that, but 
if somebody brings something up like that up and people are, oh, well, we thought you were really supporting all these other communities and you're on there talking about like, let's stop Asian hate and blah, blah, blah. But you, you went and do this accent or whatever, right? Like, at what point do we say, yeah, but you have done all these positive things and you have helped all these groups and like, like, you know what I mean? Like, how do we do it? Because you know, it would upset some. Now, is it okay if you just say like, hey, look, that was 20 years ago. I screwed up. It was an improv thing. Even after it was done, I knew I shouldn't have done it. Cool. Should that be the end of it? I mean, for some people, it can't be. Like, obviously, somebody somebody that is Chinese is going to have probably a different opinion on that than somebody that's white or black or, or et cetera. Yeah, so I'm saying, and, that, and that's the tough part, right? And then, then that's my next question, is how long especially when you have a 20 year track record of being positive, does that have to linger or stay before somebody t- like, you know, now are they, you know, if somebody comes to me and is like, well, now as you know, you did that, are you going to kick him off the show? And I'm like, well, no, I've known him doing positive things for the last 20 years. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but there's going to, there would be people right. Saying like, well, he shouldn't be on color of magic anymore. You know what I mean? Like this, this is the hard part I have with society of like, it's always when it's me, we want a second chance, but when it's somebody else crush their livelihood, you know what I mean? Like, and, and there are levels. I'm not saying everything is equal. I mean, you know, if you went out and committed a for real hate crime against a Chinese person, I'd be like, yo, Brian dog, like, yeah, you gotta go. That ain't ain't (laughs) something that we can just like, you know, we, we gotta have a real talk now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that would be different, obviously. So there's there's different levels to it, but it's always interesting to see what how people treat that because I don't think we talk about that enough. You know, it's kind of like for me, we've talked about it before. Like for me, an apology is only so far, right? I want to see what you do after that, and that's what makes a difference to me. And that and that's something I learned when I was in grade school. You know, where somebody makes somebody apologize or whatever, and then they're yeah. still treating you like crap next month, right? Like. It's, Apology is meaningless if you're not going to just be better. Like you can give me a half-ass apology if you're making all the right steps to be better, or if you've at least shown yourself to be better. I'm okay with that. But we have a lot of people that say like, well, once you've done a thing, you're always branded that thing. And I know for a fact, like you, hell, I know I shoplifted when I was younger. (laughs) Right. So am I always branded a shoplifter? Like, I don't know. To some people, maybe. Yeah. I mean, if, if you go back to that same store and uh, if, if the same manager is working there, you probably would be. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Could and, be. With, and with some yeah. of the issues we discuss on this show, let's say, you know, somebody has somebody has uh, a guy has been known for for sexual harassment. If your women are not going to feel comfortable around that guy ever. And that's yeah. not just, you know, that that's a that's a safety thing for them. Sure. I so totally they, get it. And that's so what I'm saying. It's never, tough, right? They're never going to want to be alone in the same room with that guy. And I completely understand why. I mean, I, I still remember as recent as it wasn't during the pandemic. So it was a year or two pre-COVID that something came up with Michael Vick and people were still like. Oh, st- yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and not only that, Michael Vick's even been for He's donated to charity. He's done speaking engagements on like, you know, animal cruelty and whatever. Like he's he's made generally all the right steps and people still are like nah yeah, I mean, if, if, this if, guy yeah if you, you know? love animals you ain't ever gonna forgive him yeah <laughs> so like no matter what he does people will never be okay with him even petting a dog 
Right. You know, and I'm and I'm and I remember watching some. I'm like, y'all, like he's look at his track record. He's literally done hell. He even at one point had to have like some type of um like home inspection and this, that, and the other for his kids to even have a pet. Like that's the level he was at. And like, I'm like, what do you, what does he ever have to do? Now don't be wrong. Heinous, like for real, like that whole thing makes no sense to me to this day. Like you were the highest paid quarterback in the league effectively at one point. And you're like, yeah, we're going to have this like dog fighting ring in my backyard or whatever. Like what the hell? Well, as as I mentioned on Twitter, like okay, you know, supposedly you know, the Falcons, same team that jettisoned Michael Vick for the, the heinous crimes against dogs, was ready to sit down and have a meeting with Deshaun Watson, who has been accused of you know sexually assaulting a 23 women at some ridiculous number. But here's the thing: we've learned many times that people are going to be more upset about animals than humans. And it's yeah. sad, but that's absolutely true. Like you, you see it online. Like, you know, somebody calls somebody a name or whatever, or kicks them over. Like, ah, violence sucks, or whatever. Man, somebody gets footage of you kicking a puppy. Oh, oh you're yeah. public enemy number one. Yeah, <laughs> lose your job for real. For I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I and I get it because humans we're kind of screwed up, but animals they don't deserve our hate. You know, so I get where people are coming from, but that's a real thing. Hey, you're absolutely right. That is totally real, how how they treat those so differently. But yeah, I don't know, you know, and and I'm not saying it's this is something we're going to decide on the show and we're going to set ground rules or whatever, but I do think it's a conversation that people should be having, you know, and talking about because, you know, even in my store, right, if somebody shoplifted from me when they were 12, you know, and they're coming back and visiting like at 18, 20 and just saying like, man... I know I screwed up like it was a long time ago, blah, blah. Is there any way I can come back in and be a regular member, blah, blah. Like we had that talk and they came in and they were model citizens. But I know store owners that say like, nope, you took something from me one time. That's it. You're persona non grata. Like you don't get to participate in anything, anything we do publicly. You don't get to do any giveaway, nothing. Like you don't even come in our store ever. Right. And I'm like, man, I get it. But that's, that's kind of harsh. You know, but I, it's your store, your business. I, you know, I'm not going to yeah. talk them out of it. But, you know, people aren't the same at 12 as they are at 22. And but again, there's people that say, nope, one time, that's it. That's all you get. So and it, said, I, for some people, I can understand why that's that way. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's tough. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, we can't sit here and tell people that, like, well, you need to forgive everybody or whatever. Cause there's some things you're just not going to be able to. And it's tough. I don't, and again, for each person, the line's probably going to be different on, on each situation. And it's hard to watch some people. And again, not necessarily in the case we're talking about this week, but there are situations where I watch and just go like, man, watching this person get ostracized is wild. You know, especially when you're talking about stuff that happened forever ago. Hell, the Michael Vick thing, are we encroaching on, 15, 20 years ago that happened? Oh, God. I, I mean, seriously, I might need to Google right now. Like, it, when, It's been a minute. There's been an ESP at 30 for 30, so you know it's been exactly. a minute. Exactly. That's what I'm like. When did Michael Vick get convicted? That'll probably be a date. Uh, this is 2007. December 10, 2007. Yeah. So, so that was a while ago, right? Like That's 15 said, years. Yeah. 
But yet there's still people, even with, like I said, all the money he's donated, the speaking engagements, the people he's trained, everything else. They're still like, how does he get a job being an announcer for this thing for the Super Bowl and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, really, we're still on that? And the dude, again, dude, by all accounts, everybody who's been involved in our studies, even people who said they didn't like him in their studies, he's been a model citizen. So he did learn. I mean, and you probably do after you spend whatever, 20 months in jail and you lose whatever. Yeah. Basically, forty million dollars or whatever. Right, like that'll teach you a lesson real fast. Yeah, I'm sure some people look at that and say, you know, hey, if I had done the same thing in my job at you know the post office, would I ever get to work at the post office again? No, I wouldn't. But because he can throw a ball and run really fast, sure, he's going to get opportunities that that the rest of us won't get. I I understand. Believe me. Sports but you know, writer. if you add up all his endorsements and stuff, he probably lost over a hundred million dollars. Oh, easily. Like that feels like a pretty good. I'm not lying. It feels like a good punishment because, hell, if I just lost a hundred thousand, I'd be like, oh my god, you know, like whatever. I'd be double over in pain. Hundred million. I'm oof. I don't know what I'd even do. I mean, I, y'all might have to have me on watch at a hundred yeah. million for real. Probably. But yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation, you know, I, and I think it's something we'll come back to at some point. But I, 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 it's one of those ones that's tough because I don't think there's real good ground rules. You know what I mean? It's everything's going to be a case by case basis. I just think we need to keep lines open to at least have those discussions, because if somebody can still bring positive to our communities, whatever they are, we should at least leave that door and opportunity open so others can benefit from it other than potentially just shutting someone off and maybe just pushing them further into that negativity. Because on some levels, I feel like we, that's how we get some of these, uh, I don't know, proud boys and other things or whatever, right? Some people get shunned so hard. They just go with the group that accepts them. And though they're negative, those are the people that took them in and gave them another chance. So they just become part of those communities and just get driven further into negativity and into hate and whatever. And it's hard. And I told you before, I've genuinely sat down and had conversations with dudes whose families were skinheads and stuff. And it's wild. Some of the stuff, you know, that people say and believe or whatever. But some of it's also because they had a couple of bad experiences or they got pushed to different parts of society. And that's just where they are now. And had those thoughts of like, man, if you just expose them to a few things or you invited them into some things, would that have changed some of those people? Like, I don't, I don't know. Probably though. I mean, it can't be bad, but it's also tough. Cause just like you're saying in those other scenarios, right? If we know somebody's done something negative, let's say in our case to, to some black folks or some black neighborhoods, how likely are black people going to be to invite them in and have a conversation with them? It's going to be pretty low, right? Paula Dean, just throw the name out there. Yeah. Paula Dean messed me up because, man, we didn't want to think that about Paula Dean. No. You know what I mean? It, black folks were all in on Paula Dean, too. She was cool. Right. She was one of us. Yeah. She, she was Southern country all the way. We were all right with it. And then those sound clips and stuff came out and we was like, oh, Paula, no. (laughs) (laughs) Invite permanently rescinded. Yep. Like, damn, Paula, no, no. (laughs) So yeah, that was rough. She had, she had, she was the original recipe start with one stick of butter. Yep. You know, like I still remember when that came down. That's funny. You brought that up, man. I still remember that. 
it, Paula it, King? It, like it, it came up because you know one of my one of my kinfolk was I don't know if she got recruited or what, but she was on Facebook talking about let's show Paula D black people can forgive. You're welcome to. Mm. <laughs> I ain't eating anything else to cook. Right? She's trying to get some Paula Dean money, right? <laughs> But again, that's a tough one, right? Like, how long does Paul? Because that was a while ago too. That was probably like what 10, 12 years ago. Like, well, but you know, like especially Alan and we do a lot of cooking. What if Paula D is like, hey, you know, here's a couple of thousand bucks. Let me cook with you. Okay. Oh wait, now Paula, now we got to think about this for a minute. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? She comes through. She's like, look. I know my situation. I need to rehab my stuff anyway. I think your family's beautiful. I would love to come over and cook a meal with you and Mama. Like, You're right? Do you though? You know what I mean? Like, I probably would. I'm just saying. Like, but that's just me, right? Like, yeah. not every black person gonna feel the same. But again, see here we're talking about like every situation is gonna be different. Yep. And you know, periods of time go by. Behavior from people. This is what makes us such a tough and an interesting conversation too, because I think it can apply to all types of things in society, all types of groups, all types of activities and people, because every every part of society has people that screw up or get shunned for one reason or another. But it's like how long until we're able to get right with that? It's like it's almost just like, like people that have bad relationships. Right now, don't be wrong. If you have a partner that literally abuses you and everything okay cool I, yeah. I don't expect you to ever make right with that person because there's going to be all kinds of trauma there but i know well, people, in some cases it's a safety thing yeah. <laughs> don't disagree at all i think there are some people though and i've had friends that like i don't know somebody said something wrong or you know slept around on them one time or and they're like no that's it blah 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 they, you know yeeter into the sun or whatever and i'm like damn <laughs> <dog."> like, <laughs> you know, wow but you you know what i'm talking about right you, you know those people right just one thing and that's it persona non grata for life and, and again, like, you talk you talk about cheating that's a health issue you know they're it. out there dealing with people you know but it's wild to like you know just one thing and then that's it they don't want to talk to him ever again you know it's just and i'm like wow okay cool I, I mean i get it you treat it how you treat it and, but again, that might be something young and dumb that person does. You know, like I'm saying, at 20, ain't going to be the same person at even 30, much less 40 or whatever, right? But there's still people be like, nah, I remember what they did to me. Forget that, you know, whatever. If they cheated, if they cheated on you with, say, you know, the, the, your coworker, Okay, maybe, 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 you know, if they cheated on you, you know, with your brother, no, that's it, we done. Ooh, man, that's, man, we can have we a whole conversation about that. I think there's levels to that for real. Yeah. I mean, because, oh, man, we're now we're really side questing here, but like, <laughs> I'm a, okay, you remember the Jerry Springer show, right? Because they had all yes. this fabricated yeah, violence yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. But so often I watch that show and I didn't understand why, like, There'd be some woman on there, or it could be a guy, whatever, some person. And then their significant other comes on and, you know, we're doing the baby daddy test or whatever, right? <laughs> that whole thing. And then the the lover comes on and then they're mad at the lover. And I'm like, that person just kind of wants what you have. It's the other person that you should be mad at. The, the, that's how that always works. You know what I mean, though? I'm just like, how how is this person getting a free pass when they're the ones that messed up? They were the ones in a relationship or whatever, right? Like, they're the ones that broke y'all's rules. So, like, how's the other person the one? And, you know, that's crazy. 
Though I still do use the not the baby daddy dance meme online. <laughs> yeah, I do. Everybody, Whenever yeah. there's good news, I bust that one out every once in a while. Because yeah. like you just, it's too good. It's too good. And if you don't know, go gift not the baby daddy. <laughs> you'll you you'll see it and go. I totally get why you use this meme. It's good stuff. But all right, man, we're we're, we're kind of all over the place. I know we have listeners that love these conversations or whatever, so I don't I don't mind doing it every once in a while. But we have definitely run over time. So why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media? All right. I am Brian Sonic on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alex Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most social platforms. And I just want to say, as always, wherever you are listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself and your family. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base